Hey, good morning, everybody. I am excited this morning because I get to share the word with you. If we haven't met before, my name is Joel, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hill City Church. And this is truly a unique privilege. I have never done anything like this before, but here I am giving uh, the word to you, a message that I have prepared that I feel like I've heard from God about. And there is nobody here to, to listen to it in person, to interact with. So just so you guys are aware, in my head, I am preaching to all of you. This little room that we're in is just packed. All of, all of you guys that are normally so vocal and loud are here, and that is what I'm hearing in my head. So just so you guys know, if I if I talk like there are people here, that that is why. But I am excited this morning as we wrap up our series that we've been in called The Return. And today, we are talking about night ops. I'm not going to talk about it very often, but that that's what we're getting at there. I think one of the things that, that I've found more so than ever in this this time of life that we are in is that you need to know what path you're on. It's so important to just be, be aware of what's in front of you, be aware of what's coming up. One of the great analogies that, I, that I've heard used to describe this area or this era that we're in, this COVID time, is that it's like you thought that you were doing a run and then you finish and you think you're done and somebody hands you your bicycle and it's actually like oh you're in the middle of a triathlon and i know uh if you're if you're into triathlons you know that that's out of order in a triathlon you actually swim first then you bike and then you run at the end but regardless i think in some ways it's felt like we, sh we should be done by now right like this this has to be over nope it keeps going and so the path that you're on really matters and uh, but so today we're talking about this uh, this night ops this how do we how do we function in the dark, if it will? How do you how do you see in the dark? And I we had I had this great conversation with my wife, and she was talking about a podcast that she had been listening to, where I think a lot of the times, just to to kind of set this up, I think a lot of the times we kind of act like the world around us is getting darker and darker every day that we live, and that things are getting worse, that things are getting crazier, and and I think in some ways it really fe feels true. But as, as this conversation went on with my wife, as she was listening to this podcast, it was really a, a realization that, well, hold on, is the world actually getting darker? Or is our light getting less bright? And just I think to use the example, I mean, we're in a we're in a well lit room here, a well lit space. And if I turn the lights off in here, it's going to get dark. But has it actually gotten darker or has or has the darkness gotten stronger or has the light just gotten weaker? And so I think this issue of night ops is really important because the reality is, is that for today, for yesterday and for the last thousands and thousands of years, we are called to be a light in the darkness. I mean, this is this is not a new thing. If you look through your Bible, this is a principle that has been around for a long time. And the world has been a place that has had darkness in it for a very long time as well. And so it's not like the darkness is getting stronger. But I do feel like we are getting less proficient at being lights in that darkness. And so today, we are going to talk about what that means. We're going to read some of the word of God this morning, because I think that's a great place to go. But we're going to talk about something here that I think is important. And it is, how do we be representatives and bearers of that light? So I'm just going to read to you guys a little bit here from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, out of the message translation. I really like it. 
This is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, and it says this, I don't think, friends, that I need to deal with the question of when all this is going to happen. So just as a, as a preface here, he's talking about the day that Jesus Christ returns, which we know that he is going to return. We don't know when. We don't know exactly how, all those things, but we know that it's going to happen. Paul is saying that he doesn't need to deal with that question of when it's going to happen. He says this, You know as well as I that the day of the Master's coming can't be posted on our calendars. Sorry for those of you that like to have everything structured and scheduled. He won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. About the time everybody's walking around complacently, congratulating each other, we've sure got it made, now we can take it easy, suddenly everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. But friends, Hill City Church, you're not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You're sons of the light, daughters of day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like these others. Let's keep our eyes open and smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. I mean, if there is a verse that you need to remember all, all the time is that walk out into the daylight, sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. That's a, that's a good verse right there. It goes on to say, God didn't set us up for an angry re rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Whether we're awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we're alive with him. So speak encouraging words to one another. So simple, but so profound. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. Such a great word by the Apostle Paul. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that we get to come together this morning and hear your word and have you speak to us as one church, one body. God, and we just look to you in these times. God, help us to be able to walk this out. God, I thank you that you have prepared these days for us and that you have something incredible for us to do. God, you have, you have prepared these days for our feet. God, we just look to you. God, I just pray for everyone who is, who is listening today. God, that they would encounter you on a deeper level. God, that they would be inspired and encouraged to go out of this place equipped with faith, hope, and your love. God, we just pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys like surprises? I know surprises are, are unique. They're really a unique thing. I don't know what your house is like, but in our house, in the Tarswell house, we have we have two kids, and one of our one of our kids really likes surprises, and one of our kids doesn't. And so we're always walking this line when we're trying to surprise our kids, where depending on how important it is and how much we care as parents about it being a surprise, we will actually tell one of our kids what is going to happen, and we will keep it a surprise from our other child, just because that's the that's the world that we live in. So when it doesn't matter. That's there, but we we act differently. I, for one, am not a huge fan of 
surprises. I like to know what is coming up. It's it's a little bit stressful. I mean, I love a good surprise party and things that are good that come out uh, are great, but it's a little bit stressful when I don't know what to expect. Like those type of surprises, uh, surprises in your day, surprises in what you're trying to do. I'm not, you know, I would rather have it planned out and thought out and just be ready to go. I had this uh, happen here where I've been working on this for a while, working towards getting to the point where I could pack up all of my all of my stuff, have everything ready in a backpack so I could go out and do an overnight hike. I mean, I, I had done a lot of research. I had a lot of gear ready to go. I, I think I had gotten to the point where basically I had taken out most of the things that I could prepare, prepare for ahead of time and I just had to go and do it. And so I, so I did. And you know what? I learned a lot along the way, but you get to the point where surprises and being being like, I don't like surprises can really just hinder you. I like, uh, sorry, that's that's free. Anyways, long story short, what I was gonna say there is take, take initiative, get out there and do it because you're not gonna be able to eliminate all the variable variables out of there that that's free this morning uh i hope i hope that you like that but just i i, I don't know surprises are are a tricky thing to navigate and you can't take them all out so you have to get used to the fact that they are there but don't let them stop you from doing hard things you know one of the things that that i wish i could say i was surprised by but i really haven't been is, is that honestly Guys, I think that as Christians in this time, we haven't been very good bearers or spreaders of hope and light. I, I think, to be frank, a lot of the times we as Christians are better at spreading conspiracy theories and rumors and maybe, I don't know what the what the right, all the right words are. I don't want to step on too many toes, but you know what those things are. A lot of times we're better at spreading things that are not bringing peace, hope, and truth to the situation, or or just really simply being sons and daughters of the light, like Paul talks about there. Uh, so that's been really eye-opening there. So when we talk about surprises, I find this, this section of scripture that we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 really interesting. Paul starts off by saying, you're not going to know when Jesus comes back. You're not going to know when it happens. It's not going to be something that you can schedule on your calendar. It's going to come unexpectedly, and it's going to be a surprise. But then he goes on to say in verse 4 that you will not be surprised by this. So what is the connection? On the one hand, you, you know that you can't schedule it. You know that you can't see it coming. But then on the other hand, Paul is also saying that you will not be surprised by it. And I, as I was thinking about this, What's in the middle of those two sections is that he talks about being children of the light. And it really, like, as I've reflected on this, as I've talked about how to, as I've thought in preparation for this message about how to be children of the light, it, it really came back to the more that we focus on our everyday life, the more we aren't going to be caught off guard by that day when Jesus returns. And so what am I saying? Like, oh, the, yeah, we can figure it out. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can figure it out a little bit. Maybe there's things there. Truthfully, just to be 
to be really honest with you, I, I don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back. Honestly, I'm not really that concerned about it. At the risk of sounding apathetic about something that is really important. Because I know that if I am living my life like God has instructed me to, if I'm doing the things that Jesus has told me to do, if he comes back tomorrow or in a hundred years or in a thousand years, if I'm living my life right today, it's not that big of a deal because I'm ready for it. And I don't, have to, I don't have to walk around in fear that maybe Jesus is coming tomorrow and I'm not ready. And so when we focus on our everyday life, we become what Paul is talking about here. We become children of the light. So what does it take to be children of the light? I want to just encourage you guys this morning. It's going to be, honestly, it could sound relatively simple. It could sound almost like it's trivial, but to be children of the light, we have to be people that know God. I love, I love what it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. It says, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Guys, girls, Hill City Church, when we talk about being children of the light, it comes down to how well do you know God? God who in him there is no darkness. God who is light. God is light. 1 John 1 verse 5. God is light. How well do you know God? And so that's, that's our main point as we focus on being children of the light. How well do you know God? I know, I know we talk a lot about knowing God, but I have been so impressed over the last few months by the life of King David and how he how much he knew God. I love uh, one of the things that I've noticed as I <clears throat> as I've read through the Psalms is that David was really he had this intriguing habit when he wrote of using almost you could almost say it's rhetorical questions. Where, where David knows the answer or doesn't need to be said, but the question is still written down with the purpose of either reaffirming something that he said or bringing, bringing him to a place of praise and worship of God and who he is. You know, just as an example, David would say, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And in the next in the next moment in the next in the next sentence that David writes, he's saying, "My help comes from you, Lord, Maker of heaven and earth." So it's almost like a rhetorical question where he knows the answer. It's not like he's posing a question, but by writing the question down, it brings him to a place of praise and worship. God, my help comes from you. God, you are the Maker of heaven and earth, and I worship. You, I keep my eyes on you. See, I believe that David understood this principle that the way that we view God, how we view God, determines the way that we look at everything else. Let's read another passage of scripture here. We're going to read Psalm 24. So, this is another, it's a passage that David wrote. It says this The earth is the Lord's 
and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Here's a rhetorical question for you. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in again. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Man, I love that David looked to God so often. I want to just encourage you guys and myself that we need to be looking to the word of God to find out how we view God. Our view of God needs to be shaped by, by the word of God. As I rephrase that, our view of God needs to be shaped by the word of God. Our experiences can play a part, but our experiences with God have to line up with the word of God. I mean, just look at what we can take out of one chapter, this one chapter that we just read, Psalm 24. Let's just see how easy it is. I love how it starts off. The earth is God's and so are we. So we can take out of it that God is, I mean, possessive. The earth is his. And that can be a negative thing or it can be a positive thing. I like to look at that as a positive thing. The earth is the Lord's and all that is within it shows to me that God is invested in this earth. God is taking the principle of ownership and applying it there. So he is invested. He's not passive. He's not uh, off doing other things, but God is invested in this earth. God has given us the ability to be stewards of it. It goes on to say, he is generous. God is generous. Just looking at some really simple things that we can take out of this passage of scripture. I mean, guys, if the earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it, God is rich. I think just to be frank, like all, all this gold that we, that we look to find, all these valuable things that, that we fight over, the earth is the Lord's and all that is within it. God is rich. And so we can look, I mean, how do you view God? Somebody who may or may not be able to help you depending on, on what's going on in, in his bank account or somebody who can help you no matter what. God is creative. I mean, look at this, this world that we live in. It is phenomenally beautiful. God is creative in how he made it. God is accessible. I love, I mean, even as, as we read this, it says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? God is accessible because people can get access to him. It goes on to say, I mean, we can take out of it, our next point here, we can take out of it the fact that God has standards. It's not just anybody, but those with pure hands, clean hands, and a pure heart can ascend the hand of the Lord. So God has standards. And then the last thing God has, God is a God of blessing. I mean, we read that there is blessing there. And so we can take it out of there. And so... All of that just to say who you think God is basically determines what you think God does. I'm going to say that again. Who you think God is basically determines what you think God does. 
You know, if you think that God is good, you're going to expect him to do some good things. That's just simple logic. If you think that God is good, you're going to expect him to do some good things. If you think that God is absent, you're going to expect him not to be doing anything. If you expect that God is evil, you're going to expect him to be doing evil things. If you what you expect out of God or what what you think who you think God is determines what you think God does. What we think God likes, we expect him to bless. What we think God likes, we expect him to bless. You know, I think, I mean, I think just to, to go forward from there, your understanding of God determines a few things really quickly. Your understanding of God determines the way that you relate to God. Your understanding of God determines the way that you relate to God. Like I mentioned, is he close or is he distant? Is he involved in this world that we lived in, live in and your life or is he not? Do you view him as being close or being absent? I remember uh, this was a huge struggle of mine growing up where I viewed God as someone who, who was distant. And because I viewed him as being distant, my relationship with God really suffered as a result. Because I viewed him as not really being someone who cared about me, who, who cared about my life and what was going on, or even just who was close in proximity, because I thought he was distant, <clears throat> that affected how I viewed God. Is he close or is he distant? I mean, our understanding of God determines the way that we relate to people. If we, if we can be frank, does God love all people? Yes. Do we always act like he does? I'll let that sit there. Do we always act like God loves all people? That's a convict. I know, I know for me, I get convicted by that thought, but how well do you understand God? Your understanding of God determines the way that you relate to the people around you. You know, your understanding of God determines the way that you approach life. I mean, really simply, if you believe that God has a purpose for you, you're going to approach life differently than somebody who does not believe that their life has a purpose. If you have faith, like Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians, if you walk in faith, hope, and love, your life is going to be a little bit different than if you don't. Your, relate, your understanding of God determines the way that you approach love, life. Your understanding of God determines your outlook on the future. Man, this is so true and so important today. I, I know I, I've said it before and I will continue to say it. I can walk out of this place without fear because of my understanding of God. Not because of anything in me, not because I, I'm choosing to ignore what's going on in this world, but because of my understanding of God. Because I can read what David says and try to do the same thing in my life. God, where does my help come from? I lift my eyes up to you. You are where my help comes from. So my understanding of God and who he is can help me go out of this place and have a great outlook on the future. Is God your provider? Is God our provider? What's your understanding of him? Is he where we look 
to for help is our trust in him. You know, our understanding of God determines the way that we see ourselves. What's the status of your self-worth? There's a chance that it might be tied to your understanding of God and who he is. Because the more that we understand that God was putting our body together before we were even born, the more self-worth we give ourselves. The more we understand that God was actually fashioning the days for us in our personality and all the quirky things that, that you love about yourself or maybe you don't love about yourself, God was fashioning the days for you. The more that we understand that, that really affects the way that we see ourselves. And lastly this, our understanding of God can actually determine what follows us. I know, I know I've said this before, but I've been really thinking a lot about King David and what he said. I love what he says in Psalm 23. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I think what a, what a faith statement to, to actually be proclaiming what is going to be coming behind you as you go through life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me, follow me all the days of my life. And so what, what's the goal of this? Like we're called to be children of the light and we're called to be light bearers on this earth for a purpose. Look at, uh, I know <clears throat> this might be familiar, it might not, but Jesus left us very clear instructions about what, what our life is supposed to look like. And they're challenging because, to be frank, it doesn't always look like this. But in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, right before Jesus ascends up to heaven, it says he says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus left us some pretty clear instructions. How are we doing with that? In a moment of honesty with ourselves, there, how are we doing with those clear instructions. I mean, there's not uh, there's not a lot of like, oh, what did he really mean? No, it was pretty clear. Go and make disciples. Disciples being people that follow Jesus. Are, are we doing great at that? I mean, back to my original thought, are we spreading hope of salvation or are we spreading conspiracy theories? Are we bringing hope to the situation or are we bringing chaos? Because I think that we are called to be bearers of hope. You know what? Even as we talk about this issue, I mean, the world is a crazy place right now. And I don't, I don't want to dismiss that. And I mean, the Bible, the Bible talks about how the world is going to end. The Bible talks about Jesus coming back and we're not going to like break it down here today, but... I'm going to say that we often find ourselves 
in one of two spots that I don't think is particularly healthy. I don't think either one of them is particularly healthy. The first spot that, that maybe we're a little bit more familiar with as Christians is that we are those people that I'm going to say crazy, even though I don't think that's what it is, but we're, we're looking for signs of the apocalypse of Jesus coming back in everything. And we're, we're over heightened in our senses to, to what, to what Bill Gates is doing, to what might be happening with a vaccine, all of this stuff that, again, I think we need to have our eyes open. But we can be unbalanced on that side of things where we're so focused on, on Jesus coming back that we forget that he has left us with really clear instructions of what to do while we're still here on earth. The other side is maybe is just as bad where we're not at all concerned with the fact that Jesus is coming back. And because we're not concerned about when or where, we run into this, this issue of, we don't have a sense of urgency in what we do here. And that sense of urgency is really important. And so it's important as we go through life as children of the light to walk that line where we're balanced between the two of yes, our eyes are open for the signs of the times, but we're using that to drive our sense of urgency for what needs to be done while we are still here on earth. I want to pray for you guys today as we wrap up, but just take a minute and ask yourself what you need to do from here. How is How are you doing with those instructions that Jesus left? They're clear. How are you doing it? How well do you know God and how much is that affecting your day-to-day -day life? I mean, maybe this whole concept of knowing God is a new thing and I want to just give you a moment. If that's you and you're like, "What? I don't understand what a relationship with God looks like. I don't understand how to get there. Like, how do I have a relationship with God? We're going we're gonna to have a thing that pops up now that says, I commit my life to Jesus. If you click that, it's going to bring up a thing that says, ask for a prayer. We have, we have prayer hosts here that would love to pray with you and talk to you about what that means. But for everybody else, for all of you guys, what is your next step? Evaluate how you're doing between walking those lines and being children of the light. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have not left us on our own. I thank you that you are with us in all things. I thank you that you have a plan for our lives, God, and that you have given us instructions that we don't need to worry about them being unclear. God, you have given us clarity of mission, clarity of focus, and you are with us. God, I just pray, pray that you would help us to really be honest with ourselves about how we're doing as children of the light, as your light bearers in a dark world. God, is our light bright or has it been diminished of late? God, I just pray that we would just be great light keepers in this darkness. God, I pray that you would just help, uh, help us to be renewed in our passion for you and your instructions. God, I just pray for those that are listening that have never had a relationship with you. God, I just pray that, that your Holy Spirit would be working on their hearts. God, that they would just feel something they've never felt before and just be encouraged to come into that relationship. God, we just lift all of these people up to you. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks for listening. We would love to hear how you have been impacted by this message. You can contact us at info at hillcity.ca or simply find us on Facebook and Instagram.